when we're ready to go. Okay. Um, hi. I want to thank everybody for coming. I want to. Uh, I want to begin. You know, sometimes in Sfarim there's like a hitnatslut hamechaber, uh, like an apology from the author, and they say, you know, shkios miyavim inisteros nakeni, right? So you know, if I make mistakes. So, uh, so that's, <laughs> that's on Hashem. <laughs> and, uh, and the stated topic, I wanted to go ahead and to speak about tefillah uh, and prayer in a place of doubt, which is, I think, pretty common experience. And, uh, and I was like trying to put sources together. And after, and after thinking about what I wanted to say, I realized I've got nothing. And, uh, and, it would, um, and I just I did not feel comfortable with doing that. So I beg your indulgence. Uh, we'll talk about a slightly yeah. different topic. Um, but uh, hopefully one just as relevant and just as significant for what we're trying to do during this time. And, uh, and I, I don't know in general how you guys do things, but I also, I, I think we have uh, an hour, Litzor Chaim Yan. I don't, um, I definitely don't want to hear myself for an hour. I don't know why anybody else would want to do so either. Um, but uh, but if, if possible, I'd like to, uh, this is every speaker's kind of dream, um, I, I'd like to be able to open up um, to a discussion because a lot of what I'm saying here is unrefined, um, but I, I do want to convey an emotion, certainly. And um, I'm thinking about this a lot with uh, Shiurim lately. Uh, certainly the sources here, especially when you look at like a Rambam at 8 o'clock on a Thursday night, sometimes your eyes can glaze over and you could say I'm familiar with this already and what exactly is this person trying to tell you? tell me with this. Uh, what I hope to do is to use the sources to marshal them in hopefully conveying an idea, a feeling that I've been feeling and thinking about, and uh, to be able to share that feeling with you and to look at them anew. Um, and, and as always, our learning should not just be uh, an intellectual endeavor, but also a theurgical endeavor. And it should be a shleima of two close friends of mine, for David Henech Mordechai ben Freda Simcha, and also for Rufu Shleima for Miriam Bas Eidelhenna. And they should have a fushleim of the Yisrael. So the topic I want to talk about is uh, is a unique one when it comes to tshuva. I think that we're all told uh, from a very young age, and and it's a good thing that it's instilled upon us that tshuva is this all-encompassing power. You know, you hear midrash and tshuva was created before even the world was created, and God was sole lederech for tzaddikim, for chosrei b'tshuva, and anybody that's dofek, anybody that knocks on the delet of tshuva, on the door of tshuva, is able to do so, and that there's nothing, ein davaro aratzo, nothing that stands before uh, a person's desire, and our desire to repent, and our desire to come closer to Hashem is, is no different. And that's certainly, I think, that the, the chinuch, or the education that I received, is that, you know, for anything, every kind of sin, every failing, every misgiving, anything that you do, Ava, our love for God can transcend those boundaries and tshuva is efficacious, tshuva can do something. And then you go ahead and you read a Mishnah like this. And the Mishnah says, it comes from Yoma, Perichas, Mishnah Tes. It's the source number one. Haomer, one who says, Echta v'ashuv. I'm going to sin, but I'll do tshuva for this sin. Echta v'ashuv. It's repeated, which is significant. We're not going to focus on the significance of that. I'll leave you to figure out why that is. And that person is not allowed to go ahead to tshuva. They don't, it's not in their hands. They don't have the ability to do tshuva. This lashon over here, we could dive into this and spend as much time parsing the words being used here. I think we could translate that as they're not going to have the opportunity to do tshuva. Something's going to stand in the way of this person returning to God. Their sin is great. It's too great to bear to quote an early sinner in our history. And somebody that says, I'll sin, but I've got Yom Kippur, and that will atone, that will fix it. Yom Kippur, with all of our understanding, the greatness of the day itself is able to go ahead and affect an atonement and cause somebody to do tshuva, and it doesn't. It's not going to work. This is more familiar territory. Sins between us and God. Yom HaKippur Mechaper. And Averu Shebein Adam Lechaveru. Interpersonal sins, interpersonal transgressions. Ein Yom HaKippur Mechaper. 
So Yom Kippur is not efficacious, does not affect the tshuva for a person who sinned to somebody else. Ad is chavero. And that's uh, been the genesis of myriad WhatsApp messages spammed out to hundreds of people or quickly muttered, are you mochamis, right? And I also don't think that that's necessarily what the, um, what the Mishnah is talking about when it says, Ad is chavero ritzoy. And just to focus on for a moment, ritzoy is, is, it means that a connection needs to be reestablished between a person by sinning against somebody. Uh, whether I've spoken Lash and Har about somebody, that itself is the subject of a machlokas between the Chavetz Chaim. Then Rav Yisrael Salanter, if somebody doesn't know that you've slandered them, if somebody doesn't know that you've spoken ill on them or, or sinned against them interpersonally, it's actually uh, it's a separate shir unto itself. A very fascinating discussion as to whether or not you go ahead and you alert that individual in your process of seeking out forgiveness. We'll leave that on the side for a second. But Yeratzis Chaveru Ritzli is something that implies that I'm repairing a relationship that's been severed, something that's been broken. It's uh, definitely not the quickly muttered, are you mochami? Um, but uh, I've certainly been in the position where it is uh, too embarrassing or it is too painful to go ahead and to dredge up that past when you muster up the strength and the courage to, to beg somebody for forgiveness for what you've done to them. What I have found, though, um, and I'm and, and he was without some cast the first stone. I certainly have sinned uh, against people in the interpersonal sphere. Uh, there's actually no greater feeling, and I imagine that this is what we should feel when we do tshuva between us and God. I found that there's no greater feeling than taking a rift between you and somebody else who's open to you asking for forgiveness and repairing that. Is um, is that's like a God moment. That's like when when you finally when you break through and the person is looking at you. What do you want from me? Is, are you doing this for yourself? Uh, and you and you come in honesty and you beg forgiveness of that person. Humble yourself before them, and that's a real spiritual moment. That's a real special place where you bring that kind of moment together. I'd imagine, um, definitely less well versed in this realm. I'd imagine that in the realm of us doing tshuva between us and God, that's essentially what it should feel like. That's essentially what happens when that person you haven't spoken to for a long time, or the family member, or the friend, spouse, anything, roommate, anybody that you've had that kind of rift created, repairing that rift is, is just an it's an exhilarating feeling. I'd imagine that that's kind of what we should be feeling when atoning for our sins between Adam and Makam. Anyway, so it seems to me that this disabuses us of the notion, this Mishnah, that, there are, that everything gets tshuva, that everything can be fixed. It seems quite clear from the Mishnah that that's not quite true. Not everything can be fixed. And sometimes the doors to tshuva are not going to open, no matter how hard you knock. And no matter how much love you have and how much desire you have to return to God, you're not going to be let in. So what exactly do we do with that? And the Rambam and, um, and I, I want to preface by saying that uh, I'm no brisker, but, uh, but, but there is a school of thought that looks at the Rambam and sees every word in the Rambam, especially in the Mishnah Torah, is omnisignificant, meaning that, that, that it, it's there and the placement, even of the chapters, of course, are significant. They're meant to teach us something. And the Rambam is so circumspect and so detailed and so um, suffused with divine inspiration when writing the Mishnah Torah that every word is meant to be parsed and understood as indicating and teaching us something. That's the way to read Rambam. Now, I, I certainly lack the resources to do that for all of the Rambam, but certainly uh, I would say if there's anywhere in the Rambam where it's, where it's so easy and so open to do this, Hilchus Tshuva. The Rambam's Hilchus Tshuva are, uh, are masterful. Uh, it's almost that the, it, it feels to me from the limited exposure I've had to the rest of the Mishnah Torah, it feels to me that the Rambam is doing something quite different in Hilchus Tshuva. There's a program here. The Rambam is almost speaking Musr, uh, to borrow from a movement that's going to come centuries and centuries later. The Rambam is, is waxing poetic at times. And, uh, and, and, and proof in the pudding for that for me is that the next Rambam, which comes from Parak Dalit of Hilchus Tshuva, actually, if you look at all the Nosei Kalim on the Rambam, Kesef Mishnah, Lechem Mishnah, Agos Maimonios, even in the Frank edition, if you look at the side for Agos and Siyunim, nobody's really able to quite say where exactly the Rambam gets the following idea from. The best that the Kesef Mishnah, the Lechem Mishnah, excuse me, the best the Lechem Mishnah can do, he says, I've gone through everything, and I've, I've looked at all of Divrei Chazal, and I haven't really found this appearing in any place as the Rambam presents it here. The best that they could do is say some of the ideas are presented Bidapi Arif, and the closest that we have to generate what the Rambam writes over here is this Mishnah in Yoma. But listen to what the Rambam says over here. And, and, and I want to solicit from you guys, maybe in the first, I've already heard too much of myself, 
want to solicit you to look closely. I've highlighted and I've made a few uh, notations here. I apologize for the lack of translation. Uh, I've made a few notations here that could help maybe uh, engender our thinking, uh, uh, how we might interpret this. Let's listen to the Rambam. Hilchus Tshuva, uh, it's from the fourth chapter, Halacha, Halacha Aleph. Arba ve'esrim dvarim tshuva. There are 24 things that prevent tshuva. Me'akev, la'akev, right? Uh, somebody, right, uh, if you arrest somebody in modern Israel, so, right, there's ikuv mishtara, so they were taken for questioning. That's an akava. Kol akava letova. Every delay is, is good sometimes. Arba mehen avam gadova osa echad mehem ein ha-kadosh baruch hu maspik v'yadolasus tshuva v'lufi godel chata'o. And four of them, and the Raman does this for the rest of the chapter, for all uh, six salachos that appear in this chapter, the Raman goes ahead and is metharet, and, and, and parses everything and puts it into particular categories and, 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 and tells us how each of them fall into these neat categories. The first category is the most severe, the most significant. And the four of these, HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the bold, Ein HaKadosh Baruch Hu Maspik says the Raman gets the language here from the Mishnah that we just saw. And what are they? Eluhe, Aleph. The first, Machti Sarabim. Somebody that goes ahead and causes the public to go astray. Oh, yeah. And included in this particular sin, Similarly, somebody that prevents people from doing a good deed is similarly terrible. A person that's prevented people from doing something positive is considered equal. Fascinating thing in its own right. It's considered equal to somebody that causes people directly to do something negative. The second. Somebody that, uh, right, like a little Yaga whispers in somebody's ear, you know, you're the devil on the shoulder, it's time to do a sin, or you cause somebody to do a sin. Or you, I think including this is sometimes giving, knowingly giving bad advice to somebody that would cause them to sin. Right, like a in the Torah, somebody that goes ahead and inspires other people to go ahead and to serve foreign gods or to sin, that's included, that's, that's article two of the first halacha here. Gimel. Somebody that sees their child going out to the Tarbus Ra, to the bad culture, right? Somebody's going off the derech, right? You see your child floundering, floundering spiritually. And, and, and you don't do anything about it. You don't do anything about it. Because this child is your responsibility. Right? It's, I'd rather not interpret possessive, but it's your responsibility. Right? It's, you're responsible for their spirituality. You're responsible for their staying on the derech hayashar. And if you would have been mocha, if you would have protested, and hopefully done it in the proper way, according to the best parenting advice that exists and is contemporary, doing it the right way, so it seems that you are responsible for that person's sin. And in the italicized portion, I put the comma here in, uh, in brackets. I'm not sure how to read it with this comma. Included in this sin, anybody that has the ability who sees a sin, who sees people being led astray or going astray, or violating the Torah or going off the derech. So anybody that sees that and has the ability to protest and to cry out and to say, this is wrong, and this is not the right thing that we should be doing. Tayri Yidin, right? This isn't, this isn't the way that we serve God. This isn't the way a human being acts. Bin Yachid, bin Rabim, Velomicha, whether it's an individual or whether it's a mass of people. Eliyanichem bekishlonam. But you let them, you say, right? There's a. I think that the. I think that the opposite of this, there's a line that comes from Yinachman of Breslov. It appears in a few places of his writing, something that I say to my students a lot. Right, because sometimes you'll point out to a middle schooler when you want to be mocha biyadam, right? You want to. I, I work in a teach in a middle school, right? So, so when you when you when you when you catch a child, or you see a child doing something that's wrong. So it's an opportunity to educate. It's an opportunity to teach them to fulfill the the opposite of what this Rambam is saying. You know what? Sometimes the first response of a child is, "What about them?" Actually, not just children. Adults do this a lot, also. <laughs> What about them? They'll point to everybody else but here. They'll point to everybody else but here. And the idea is, is that you say to them, you use the Lashon of the Rambam. You say, 
Right now we're going to focus on you. Ben Yachid, Ben Rabin, we're going to focus on you as a Yachid right now. It's my responsibility as your teacher. It's my responsibility as somebody that cares about you, as somebody that, that, that takes ownership of your spiritual path, of your development as a person, to not be maniach you in your kishalon. This is a failure. This will stay. And as we know, sins and failures have a way of accruing and forming sort of a crust on top of our soul that becomes increasingly difficult as the years pass and as time passes to be able to fix. I'd say that the parallel to that, just to draw us back to what we pointed out earlier in interpersonal things, right? So it's almost like you get an email, not that I ever, ever do this, but you get an email and you want to respond immediately, but you don't have, I don't know, you don't have your planner on you or you know, you, you're running to something else and then a day passes. And then two days passes. Two days is like the window of saying apologies for the delay. After that, now it starts to be like, I'm so sorry there was an emergency. Then you run out of excuses. The more the days go by, the more you look at that email in your inbox with the star and the flag and the highlighting and everything, and you realize, oh my gosh, it's so much more difficult now to go ahead and respond to this. No matter what I say now, there's a problem. That doesn't absolve you from responding to the email. You still have to do it. When you have that rift between oneself and somebody else, a friend, somebody, a, 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 a member of your family, Right? When you have that, or a stranger, when you have that rift, the more that you let it to fester, the more that you let it to leave over over time, as time accrues and goes above it, time has a funny way of really messing things up and making all of this that much more difficult. However, we have the same uh, concept that appears in our liturgy. We have until the final day. We have until the final day, God is waiting for us. Hopefully, uh, we could have the forbearance to accept the people who sinned against us, and they'll have the forbearance to accept the sins against uh, them, even though time has passed. If everybody does that, then it becomes a lot easier. And it's like the person on the other end of the email that, uh, that recognizes, I've also been late to emails. I've also been neglectful in my responses. But back to the Rambam. The, yes, hi. Of course. I, this is your place. contrary to advice given by the Baal or the Rebbe to show a child who's off derech unconditional love. Isn't this... So... So, right, so unconditional love is really hard, right? Unconditional love is almost like... Uh, that's like God level, right? To be able to love unconditionally. That's a hard thing to do. I would say... I would say that maybe... And maybe it's a cop-out because I don't know if I know the answer. Um, the cop-out answer that I would say is that unconditional love necessitates, right? Loving somebody, loving, loving somebody, if you love yourself, you don't let yourself descend into the abyss of failure and sin and everything like that. If, if, you, love, if you love that child, if you love that friend, if you love that person who's sinning, that love is manifested as a sense of responsibility. Unconditional responsibility means that even if they rebuff you, even if they go ahead and say, get away from me, I don't want your help, don't talk to me, that you try as best as possible to articulate your, 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 your macha, your protest, in the right way. I would see that as the manifestation. Yeah, you could see how I'm copping out a little bit, but, uh, but uh, it's a good question. I would, have to, I would have to think about it a lot more. Not, uh, not, a, not really prepared to answer it. Um, I'll, I'll also, I don't want to belie the point. I'm not exactly familiar, trusting you, I'm not exactly familiar with the quote in the Baal Shem Tov or in the Rebbe, but, uh, but certainly if I would see it inside, I might be more equipped to answer properly. So that's the Rambam. The last one he says, and he quotes from this mission over here, Ha'omer Ashev, one who says that I'm going to sin and I'm going to do tshuva for this sin. Ha'omer And the Rambam reads the Mishnah as seeing Yom Kippur, and, and conditioning my sin on Yom Kippur, fixing it. So he sees that as part of this category. Can I ask you guys a question? Based on this Rambam, do you see anything happening in this Rambam over here? I was struck by something the first time that, uh, that I re-looked at it. There's something striking with how, and I told you I feel the Rambam is poetic in Ilchas Tshuva, and I'm not doing that to be facetious. Right? That I, I really see something quite beautiful in what the Rambam does over here. Anybody notice what I'm noticing here? Take a second just to look. Yeah. Is it bigger group to smaller? It's exactly what I saw. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for being... Right, so it's, it, if you see the Rambam identifies in this part of Chuva's responsibility, or is taking responsibility, the Rambam uh, sort of articulates concentric circles of responsibility, starting with your community, Rabim, right, the public. Then it's Chavero, the people close to you, friends, uh, acquaintances, 
Then it's your own family, Haroes Bino, and the Rambam gives it away. He says, it's, it's, you have responsibility here. You have, to take, you have to take this into account. This is part of yourself. One moment. And then the last thing is Haomer Echtav Ashav is talking about ourselves. Right? These are the concentric circles, I think, of responsibility when it comes to talking about how we go ahead and, uh, and, and use tshuva and, and, and get away from the sense of tshuva not being allowed to us by taking responsibility and not letting these things happen. Like, couldn't you have done the same? Like, if you had said, like, you know, one of them, like, about, like, you know, guarding someone else from sin, that covers, obviously, if you have to do, like, you know, one person, yeah. call a homer out of the whole community. Yeah. Right? Like, 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 I mean, like, he seems to be done it in the first three. Ah. So, so here, here's, here's what I, 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 would, I would toss this back out to you guys, but I'll tell you what I think, at least. What I think is that it's, it's work in the other way around. It's very obvious because the Torah's example here is the, is the Macy's and the Diyach, right? This is kind of this quintessential rabble-rousing figure that causes this massive... A big paroxysm of sin, right? A real dent in the community. So that you might say, that's something that, that we need to teach first. But I don't think it's so obvious that as you get down the concentric circles, right, that, that right, we could, it's very easy to point to some monster. It's very easy to point to some, to some big public sinner who's ruined things for people, who's done irreparable damage to the community, right? It's because the Chil Hashem, it's easy to look at that person and to say, yeah, that person's not going to be able to do tshuva, right? It, I think it's a little bit more difficult as you go down to say, on myself, right? I'm, even if I say it to myself, I'm not going to be able to do tshuva. So that, I think, is the big... The, the chiddush actually increases, I think, as you go down in the Rambam. I agree. That's why I don't... So almost the first few statements you would done. Meaning you could have just taught the last statement. Or, yeah, or, or last two, if you want to see yourself and someone else. Yafa, yafa. I, was, I, I thought you were asking about the first one. Okay, so we understand each other. Um, also, I, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm going to wear out my welcome. Also, fantastic question. I, I don't know. I would have to take a look back. I didn't see, anything, I didn't see anybody in the Nose Kalim discussing that. Um, it could very well be because, the only thing I'll just toss out, it could very well be because the Mesus Medeah is a Doraisa example, right? That's something that's, that's expressed. The Ramam needs to write it down, and maybe that generates Aleph as well, uh, uh, learning from that, meaning you could group it again. Now, now we're doing real brisker stuff, right? Real Rambam stuff. So you could maybe group Bays and Aleph together and Gimel and Dala together, like you're saying, uh, but I'm going to leave this at Sarah Hiyan. Hi. Um. It also seems like it goes in some sort of, I guess, reverse order of how I would say severe something is. Like the first one, obviously, right? You're saying, first off, you're causing people to sin or just preventing them from doing good, right? The second one, yeah, it's one person, but then it's really Macy Madiak, right? Are, are you tempting them? And then like the third, you're not actually doing anything wrong as much as you're just seeing someone sin. And then the fourth one, at least on a base level, is totally theoretical. Like you haven't actually done anything yet. Haomer Echtevashev. Yeah, like... Right, so not that necessarily goes from, I mean, it also does go from, in terms of the number of people, but also you go from, like, multiple people sinning or just not doing mitzvot to, to one, to just observing someone else do something that you didn't cause. I mean, I guess you want to, unless you want to imply that Haroah Beno implies that you are at fault for it somehow, but I... I the Rambam says, the Rambam says, you know, Nimsa yeah. right? This is your sin. This is on you. Right? And I, I would just maybe piggyback and say that however you group them, however you look at them, the Rambam sees all of these, right? Because, and I'll tell you how I know this in a second, the Rambam sees all these as avungad. These are big deals, right? This is big sin, right? Part of, part of that, though, is also because the Rambam does take pains in the next few halachot in the Mishnah Torah to go ahead and say, okay, and here's another category, and there's five five types of sins that fit into that category. And here's another category. And here's four that fit into that. So these, even though they seem disparate maybe in the population concerned, right, from an individual and themselves to the public, right, even though, even though that's different, the Rambam is grouping them together because the resultant effect in the Rambam's eyes is the same. And also, the Rambam calls them all avangadol mode, right? So that's avangadol, sorry. That calls them a big sin. Okay. So, so that's, the, that's, what I, that's what I see over here, that the Rambam is, is jumping off the Mishnah and expanding and saying, and by the way, you might think that's just Haomer Echtav Ashuv, or a person say Echtav Yom HaKippur Mechaper. It's actually other stuff also that prevents Ma'akev, that prevents, that closes, that holds that door closed when you're trying to knock it down and to do tshuva. The Rambam goes ahead 
and describes in the next halachi, describes to us what exactly that tshuva gemura looks like for everything, right? Even though we have things here now that seem to be impossible to do tshuva, earlier on in Hilchos Tshuva, the Rambam does give us what he thinks tshuva is, meaning it's important, if we're saying that something's being prevented, it's important to understand what exactly we're talking about in the first place. When the Rambam says tshuva, what does he mean? So I want to tell you how I, I, want to, I want to say how I feel that the Rambam understands, this is a very uh, arrogant statement, how I understand the Rambam presenting tshuva. Listen to this. So in the next source, source number three, make sure that we're good on time. Ezi tshuva gemura. What is complete tshuva? Right? The Rambam qualifies, not just tshuva, but tshuva gemura, complete tshuva. It's when a person has the opportunity to do something that he's previously failed, and he or she have previously failed in, and he or she can do that sin. Right? Everything is there. Right? The table is set for them to go ahead and to sin in the same way that they sinned previously. And yet, you turn away and you don't do it. Right? It's tautological. What's tshuva gemura? It's when you don't do something because of tshuva. And I think that this is a wild thing. He says, It's not because I'm afraid now. It's not because I recognize, hey, when I did that thing the last time, I could have really gotten caught. Or hey, when I did that last, the thing last time, I had a lot more strength or I wasn't as tired or as we'll see in a moment, I wasn't as young as I was, right? So when the Rambam goes ahead and says, tshuva gemura, he says that tshuva is itself tshuva, meaning, and, and, and I know how silly that sounds. I'm going to try and articulate. What I think that the Rambam says over here about what tshuva gemura is, is that it doesn't mean that I'm repenting over a particular sin. It's not focusing on something specific that I did. What the Rambam, I think, is saying is that I'm changing an attitude. Is that whatever generated my ability to sin, whatever it was, not my strength, not my desire that it overcome me at the moment, and not the, 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 the fortuitous circumstances that allowed me to carry out my sin. But the Rambam is actually saying over here, he's saying that, that I, I, I'm approached by the same situation. I say, you know what? I want to choose a different path. Right? The path's divergent. I'm going to choose the different one. I've constantly gone down this one path. I'm addicted to that path. And instead, I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to choose something different. I'm going to cause like a revolution in myself. I'm going to do something. I'm going to surprise myself. I'm going to surprise God, right? It's almost like, you know, if you think about like, I had like a counselor, I guess, that t- or like a chinuch rebbe in camp that told us when we were young and impressionable that they play a video for you at the end of your life, right? And, and so like, that's something, you know, gears to the yankusa, right? When you learn something when you're young, it stays with you no matter what. So like two big parts of my religiosity are shadim and the video camera because... <laughs> I went to Jewish day camps. So, so I always think about that. And like, you know, so you go ahead and you're thinking of, of the camera that's watching you, right? And, and you say, and, and like every time that I do the right thing, so I almost have in my mind, I'm like, aha, uh-huh, you see? I'm not doing the wrong thing now. I'm doing the right thing. I, I made the right choice. Like, like almost like surprising the people that are going to watch that video, right? That, that, that's tshuva. That I could have gone, and I'm surprising. And I'm surprising everybody because I, I, it wasn't. Circumstances were right. Everything was in place for me to fail the same way that I failed before, and yet I didn't. So that's tshuva. That's tshuva gemura. That's total tshuva. It could be that the Rambam is equating turning away because I think, uh-oh, somebody's going to see me now. Or it was too risky last time. I'm a little bit afraid. Or, um, you, know, uh, you know, maybe this time when I... Uh, parenthetically, a pet peeve of mine is like, you know, when, when teachers sometimes talk about um, sins. So, you know, there's like the two quintessential, you know, euphemisms for sin. There's like walking into a McDonald's, that's number one. And then there's looking, and rabbis will say, looking at things you shouldn't be looking at, right? So, so here's the thing that, that, uh, that I, want to, uh, I want to maybe register my own little macha, right? I, I say to people in shul sometimes, I say, uh, it's, it's strange to me or not so strange, unfortunately, that people don't say, saying things I shouldn't say, right? The Gemara tells us that, that if you're looking for like a universal sin, you know what it is? Lashon Hara. It's like speaking wicked speech to people. Virubam Bavak Lashon Hara, the Gemara tells us, right? So that's, so let's say I'm, I'm about to say the thing, right? I was about to send somebody like a, 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 
a WhatsApp, you know, screenshot of something on Twitter that I thought was particularly stupid. And, uh, and, some, and I realized I stopped and it would have, would have been a, a chuckle for a second, would have been like a little laugh. And, um, and I stopped myself. That was a recent victory for Josh Rosenfeld. I stopped, I didn't send it. It was, it was a close friend, you know, maybe, maybe it has, a, I could argue a particular toelis, maybe, you know. And, it, and I didn't do that. To me, that's like Chuba Gamura on that particular thing. Still got a lot to work on. But that's Chuba Gamura. So Ketzad, and how does this work? The Rambam says, Now, I put in here parentheses because the Rambam does go through the whole line where he's misyach edima, he finds himself, right? It's obviously from a gendered perspective. He's misyach edima, he's, he's sequestered with the same woman, right? he has the same koach, the same desire, the same, everything's, everything's set to do the sin at the same time. And the reason I left it with an ellipses is because what I actually want to argue is that the rest of the Rambam should not be read just in the light of uh, males committing sexual sins, but actually I think this is universal to all sins because it's also really important for our purposes tonight to use the psukim that the Rambam cites at the end to be talking about all kinds of sins. And I want to show you what I mean. Hi. When you talk about fear, are you talking about fear of like punishment or are you talking about fear of like someone else coming out? Great question. Um, I, the way I read it, because of how it's situated here and a person thinking about themselves, I think that the year over here, Halavai, the person had Yira Saonesh even. I forget the Yira Saromimus, right? The person just had Yira Saonesh. That would probably be sufficient enough to fit into this Tshuva Gemur. I don't want that sin, right? The, why else would I not do it? Why else would I not sin and speak the Lashon Hara if, if I didn't recognize that there is a punishment? I'm going to ask it on the Lashon Hara that we're going to speak, on, on the character assassination that we partake in, right? It's, it's going to happen. So I would say that, I would argue that's part of Chugmar. I think the year here is something far more pedestrian. I think that the year over it's talking about over here is like, you know, maybe the person's going to find out what I said about them. Maybe, you know, uh, maybe, um, maybe somebody in my community will see me stepping into, uh, uh, there's a Chipotle on the Upper West Side that just smells so good. Just like, uh, forget McDonald's, who wants that? Chipotle smells so good, right? So, so that fear, even though last time, you know, it was, too, it was so late, nobody, everybody was out of town, Right? Maybe I'm still afraid somebody might see me. Or when I walked out, somebody passed by. I was like, phew, close call. Right? I think the year over here is, is, is registers. It's just simple fear of other people. Right? Sinners are always afraid. Right? And it's a good thing to be afraid. Right? It's praiseworthy to be in fear. Right? It's praiseworthy to be in fear because of the way that it goes ahead and, and hopefully pushes us to do things that we shouldn't be afraid of, to do the positive stuff. Right? The, so, so I think the fear over here that it's talking about is, is fear of being caught or fear of consequences, fear of being exposed for what you really are. So that's the dogma, that's the example. And another parenthetical thing, um, I gave another talk a long time ago. A, 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 here's why I also think um, that this must be read in the broadest sense possible. Tzadok Kakoyin of Lublin has a statement in his um, in Rishise Laila, he has a statement in Rishise Laila that he questions a statement made by one of the Talmidim of the Baal Shem Tov, known as Rav Yevi. Rav Yevi. So, so Rav Yevi says, he looks at this Rambam and he says the following thing. And we're going we're gonna to say this and then we're going to move back to what I wanted to. I still have two books I need to show you guys. Rav Yevi, Rav Yevi says, he looks at this Rambam and he says, I got a question. Here's my question. If we're talking about sexual sins, right, which is the, how the Rambam is opening up over here, right, we're talking about those kind of things. So what's going to be necessitated, for the male at least, right, what's going to be necessitated is that a person's going to have to violate an Avera, a smaller Avera, in order to obtain Tshuva Gemura. Right? Ideally, a person should always be able to obtain, we should be looking for the greatest possible thing, not just regular Tshuva, Tshuva Gemura, full Tshuva, complete Tshuva. So the way that I would go ahead and do that Assuming the last time that one sinned, they had violated first the Aveir of Yichud. They had sequestered themselves with somebody they shouldn't have been sequestered with. And then they went ahead and violated the Aveir Chamura. Then they went ahead and were Megala Arayas. So Rav Yevi says, it's a kasha. It means I'm going to have to go ahead and violate an Avera in order to go ahead and obtain Shuvah Gemura. But then the Shuvah Gemura is going to be a mitzvah of Avera. So how could it possibly be? One could never obtain Shuvah You know what Rav Yevi concludes? What do you guys think? What does he conclude? It's like, a, it's, this is an important, everybody's going to talk about it. Avera lishma. 
You go ahead. I'm serious. You go ahead. You violate the sin of Yichud in order to obtain the Tshuva Gemurah to show that Meikara from the very beginning that I wasn't violating the Aveir of Yichud in the first place. I was just putting myself in this situation in order to atone completely. Tzaddik reads that and he says, Yishtaka Adav Yishma. He says, let's suppress this thing. It should never be spoken over. You can still find in Ravyevi. I haven't seen a new printing. Somebody I bought from Mizrahi books on eBay. Uh, somebody, I guess, was cleaning out a shul, so I have an old copy. It's like the kind, there's a reason I wear glasses. It's the, it's the kind where like tiny print, flaky pages. I still have it. And he does say that. Indeed, he does say that over there. And he actually, it appears, most of the safer is a commentary in Tehillim. And it appears on the, it appears in David in, in, Right, we've, we've slid down, our sins are a slippery slope. Anyway, Rav Tzaddik says, you can't say such a thing. Right, such a, is that my uh, cue? Uh, uh, Rav Tzaddik says, you can't say such a thing. How could you say such a thing? That the Rambam is going to be telling us the way to do tshuva gemura in this particular example, is going to be to violate an Avera? That sounds a little antinomian, that sounds a little bit dangerous. That sounds like uh, maybe being somebody that's mate sadam lederech hara. Right, you're putting people in situations where where the inevitable might happen. It's very difficult to do tshuva gemurah. So it can't be. That's what Tzaddik says. It can't be. Tzaddik interprets differently. And, and I want to show you how he might read the rest of the Rambam. Meaning we're talking about sin in a general sense. Not just sins of a sexual nature. He says, Hush Shlomo Amar. So how does this tshuva work? Shlomo Amalek said, Remember your creator in the days of thy youth. And my Saba Zichron Levracha used to always, when he would kiss us, especially... Especially as like, you know, a teenager or, you know, the, 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 the height of physical my Saba would say, he would say, You should be really, you should rejoice in your youth. Rejoice in your youth. And then you would say, youth is wasted on the young. Right? And he says, rejoice in youth. Because that's when you're at the, 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 the apex of, of all of your physical powers, of, of all of your vitality, of all of your, of all of your ability to do whatever you want. The sky's the limit, right? All the potential is there, and yet it's a time that is, uh, that is sometimes admired in sin. It's sometimes a time that's admired in immaturity. And the person, so with Kohelis, the wisest of all people, told us, Remember God in the days of your youth. I mean, even when you have all that koach, even when you have all that, that ability to sin, that's the time to remember God. That's the time to put God in front of you at all times. Because, but the Rambam does say at a different place, uh, he does say that, um, that it's increasingly difficult as one ages to do tshuva. That's what the kishlon koach is over here. Because what happens is, is that at a certain point, the ability to do the same sins, the ability or, or, or the desire, the tava, the cause that generated the sin in the first place in your youth, and that's gone and that's not a complete tshuva itself because you're not in the same place again. So it becomes increasingly difficult or obscure to understand what the Rambam means by tshuva kimura. Anyways, he continues, And if the person only decides to return to God in their old age, in a time where it would be impossible to do what they would have previously done. Even though it's not a great tshuva, you're still called a bal tshuva. You're still engaged and you're still in the process of doing tshuva. It's still something that is delightful to God. It's still something that is a marked improvement. Right? You're showing God that you're following the derech ha'yishar. Even if the person sinned all of their days, Right, Rabbi Lazbin Dardaya, which every rabbi is going to quote during this time of year. That's too cynical, I'm sorry. Right, Rabbi Lazbin Dardaya, a person that spends their entire life sinning. Va'asa tshuva beyond turning the page mitaso. And they did tshuva on their final day. Umeis betshuvaso. And dies in the process of doing tshuva. Kol avonosov nimchalim. All of that person's sins are nimchalim. They obtain forgiveness for them. Shenemar and quote the very next pasuk in Koheles. Shenemar ad Quoting again from Koheles, Shlomo Melch tells us, ad Until your the sun of your world, till the light of your eyes is dimmed, you have time. Until the stars in the heavens are blotched out, until the clouds have gone. And the Yareach and the Kochavim have gone until that time, until the very last moment, 
you have the opportunity to do tshuva, the opportunity to repent. I just want to point out over here, if you look at the footnote over here, there's a Rashi on this, right? How, do, how does the Rambam know? I don't know if the Rambam read this particular, but how does the Rambam know that this, is, that this Pasuk over here is referring to old age, is referring to the advancement of years? How does the Rambam know that? The Rashi over here says something unbelievable. It's a difficult Rashi, but it's, it's worth reading because it's amazing. He says, I wrote, Amru Rabbeinu, it's Gemara and Shabbos, Rabbi Alan Schwartz. I, I was so excited. I showed Rabbi Alan Schwartz. Look at this Rashi. He's like, he's like, oh well, it's very, it's very nice. You know, he's being tzaddik that he is very nice. He says it's a, you know Gemara Masechah Shabbos. <laughs> so, so I was like, wow, I discovered America, and uh, it's just a Gemara I didn't know. So he says, Ada Rabbeinu. Rabbis tell us, Zepadachas, Shim Oro Matsevis, Adam Bachor, Ukshim Zakenus, Meles Kamtin, Vein Matsevis. It's talking about our foreheads. It's talking about uh, our, uh, the face that we put out to the world. Then in the beginning, in youth, it glows. And as, and as life continues, it becomes etched with the experiences and with the passage of time. Vehaor Zachotam, that's the nose. Shehitor Klaster Panam. That's the. the, the that's the, 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 the signifier of the person's face, the person's visage. And he says, That's referring to the soul. And when the soul is finally taken from us, the light of our eyes stims. All of those words just mean the jaw. Right? Just mean the jaw. That, that's talking about us starting to decline. And that, and that decline, with that, becomes the decline of our ability to do this tshuva gemura. And he says, And so it strikes a very positive note, at least in chapter 2, that if you return to tshuva on the very last day, you still have the ability to do so. So that's a very encouraging Rambam. So what's going on in the parak that we read? What's going on in chapter 4? The Rambam is saying, by the way, here are things that you can't do tshuva for. By the way, here are things that you're not going to be able to be machaper for. By the way, the door is closed to you for these things. So how do we reconcile such a thing? So I think maybe the cheap way out, or I would say not the cheap way out, but what seems might be the obviously simple way out, and then I want to complicate it as we finish. But, but the, obviously, the obvious way out is what the Rambam writes at the end of chapter Dal. Maybe the Rambam sense that you're reading this whole chapter of the Rambam telling you all the things that you can't, you can't atone for, that you can't do tshuva for. Haomer echtav ashuv. I'm going to do tshuva. The Rambam is telling us, but by the way, take a look at the language. Be very careful with what I'm saying. Source number four. All of these things and hanistayif, the things that are connected to them, afapishem akfinasatshuva, even though they might delay, prevent, make difficult, complicate repenting, there's still a sliver of hope. They don't negate. They don't prevent fully. Something is always open. I wrote over here, you must still try, and that will be your tshuva. It might not be a tshuva gemura, but you actually don't have the option of saying, well, time's passed, can't do tshuva for it. Let's go back to the interpersonal as maybe a template for understanding this. Right? You don't go ahead and say, and people do, but you don't go ahead and say, well, this person sinned against me, never going to forgive them, or I sinned against this person, never want to try and go ahead and repair that relationship. If it's important to you, go ahead and you put in that effort, no matter how much time has passed. Right? That we have the ability as human beings to go and do so. So when it comes to being Adam Lamakum, there's still that, that opportunity to do something. And Gamzeh Chaviv, right? Another a quote from the Bible, Trevi, a little bit is also good. A little bit is also tshuva. A little step, that, that too. As long as I take that step on the right path, I might not be able to walk down that path of saying, hey, surprise, I'm not doing the sin, but at least I could take a step on it. And that step will be significant. That step will be important. That step will accomplish something when it comes to doing tshuva. Elim as adam tshuva mehem. All of these things that we mentioned, echtev ashuf, right? Echtev yom akipur mechaper. All of these things, it might be that a certain element of tshuva remains ever elusive. That's tshuva gemura. It might not be possible to do such a thing. Somebody showed me a beautiful, uh, really just gorgeous line from Rabbi Soloveitchik. 
Rabbi Soloveitchik writes in Allah Tshuva, he draws a distinction between kapara and tahara. He says kapara, atonement, which is significant. Atonement is when I go ahead and I have harata. I have regret over a particular sin. And I say, I go through the processes that the Rambam describes elsewhere. I'm not going to do it again. I have the Kabbalah la asid. I have the Kabbalah on myself. I accept it's not going to happen again. I go through all the processes and, I'm, and I regret what I've done. I truly do. Until the next time. I regret what I've done. So that's called, that's called kapara. That's atonement. That's atonement. Tahara is a different, a different animal completely. Tahara, purification, is... is, is is going ahead, that might be what the Rambam, just to map that onto the Rambam, right? What he's talking about over here is kapara, I could achieve atonement. That is still possible. There's nothing in the world that one can achieve atonement for. Sometimes that atonement, unfortunately, is going to be misa. Death itself atones. Such a thing. Even people are taken out, right? The worst kinds of sinners, right? Haruge based in. So the process, what they're, what's, what's told to them, is that their very death shall atone. The very death, something big enough, that's a sure, ripping, a, a tearing a life away. That itself achieves. Sometimes that's how significant the atonement needs to be. That's kapara. The tahara, the purification, the tshuva gemura. So sadly, that might never be achievable. One might not ever be able to return to that place. Part of being human is accepting that you step foot in that river of time and then passes on, you're never going to step foot in the same place again. That opportunity has come and gone. You could create new opportunities. Hi. That's the most famous case of uh, someone who was denied the possibility of Shuba in Torah Shul Pez Acher. I was just wondering which of the categories he fits in. Because when he says to a layer, don't go past you because you're. Right, Ad Kantrum Shabbos. He's not Machti as a Rabbin. So which category does he fit in? Interesting question. Yeah. Well, definitely, definitely. If 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 I don't, that's fascinating. If the if he was a malshin, that's right. It doesn't get worse than the machti sarabin like that. A malshin is is bad news for the Jews. But um, but uh, if I would say, I would say, you know, Acher is um, Acher is a really important figure for this time of year, right? Right. Um, you make you remind me another Hasidic Torah. Right, so we've been learning a lot of Rambam. So, so the Gemara says that Acher heard a call me Acher Apargod. He heard uh, something that came out from behind the celestial curtain that said Shuvu Banu Shavavim Chutz Me Acher. That returned a wayward children except for Acher. And Acher heard that and said, and uh, I've seen the Hizbitzerites, I've seen in other places, that they said had Acher gone ahead and still the Cholzos gone ahead and done Shuva he would have been able to be accepted also. And the problem is that, what did he hear? He heard Acher. He didn't hear his name. He heard, he said, that's somebody, I'm somebody else already. As long as you remember, as long as you remember the days you used to, as long as you remember who you are, so even at Yomos, on that last acre return, that's one of the beautiful things. I would say Acher probably fits in the Mahdi Sarabim, right? Right, because he's a Tana, right? Teacher of Meir, right? So somebody like that, you see a big figure like that that goes off to Tarvas Ra, that's, that's a tremendous, deleterious effect on the public's observance of Torah mitzvahs, and they're, they're very amuna, right? They're very amuna. Imagine, take, imagine now in your mind the person, the person that's biggest to you, or most formative for your religious development. Imagine that individual, I'm sure for other people also, imagine that individual does something terrible. Imagine that individual's Meimir Sadas. Or imagine an individual goes ahead and, and, and goes to Tarbis Ra, renounces all this. I think that the effect is um, catastrophic. I think that that's a real machti sarabin. For people to go ahead and speak Torah publicly or, or teach or arrogate to be uh, somebody to help people, other people along with their spirituality, there's an added level of responsibility to maintain their, their spiritual level. There's an added level of responsibility to, to, to not fail because the other people that that hold on to those coattails, right? So Acher, maybe, who am I to say? Maybe Acher would fit into the first category over here, a real bona fide Mahdi, a Sarabim, 
Right, that's, right uh, maybe that's part of the problem. Acher doesn't recognize. Acher could say Rivera Tchantum Shabbos. Right, he's been he's been he's been counting with his with his brain. He's been counting the steps that the Amas the horse has been going on. Right, he's been doing all that, but um, but he doesn't recognize the effects of his public uh, of his public uh, his public going off the derech. It seems to be missing the point to me. Say what? He's riding a horse on Shabbos, or he's being malshin to the Romans, or, or whatever it is, right? So this is, he's a, that's real tzitzah benetius, right? That's, that was Acher's sin. Acher, Acher cut off the shoots. That's a shear for another time. The Dalet Shenech Nesulapartis. What does each category mean? Acher is definitely in that category where he goes ahead and he takes, he takes the spiritual world and this world and he goes, cuts right through it. Just, just because we're on this tangent, right? There's a term uh, in the Zohar which talks about the highest spiritual level. He called those people mechatz dechakla, right? The people that go out into the fields and harvest from the fields, right? They bring back. And one of the, one of the, in the, one of the most mystical Talmudic texts, the Dalit Shnech Nesulapartis in Gemara Chakika, so in that text, the way that it describes the worst sin of the person there is kotzitz benetius. It's like an inverse of the mechatz dechakla. It's very fascinating to me. Anyway, let's, um, I see I'm about to run out of time. So that's, that's at least how I read this. I found, um, I found the text this year. I just recommended it, and I want to make a book recommendation if it's okay with you guys. Uh, the name, the title is, is enough of itself. It's called This is Real and You Are Completely Unprepared. This is Real and You Are Completely The name of the author is Rabbi Alan Lu, Zechrona Levracha. Uh, just a word on Rabbi Alan Lu. Rabbi Alan Lu. Uh, was studying to become ordained as a Buddhist priest and had an epiphany during his studies and made his way to the seminary, became ordained as a conservative rabbi um, and moved out to San Francisco, uh, ran a shul there and the shul also together with Zoketsu Norman Fisher who is uh, one of the uh, central, is one of the central, and wrote the forward to this book, uh, central pivotal uh, figures in the Jewish embrace of Buddhism is a, a very high-ranking Zen Buddhist priest as well. His good friend, they opened up one of the first Jewish meditation centers. And a lot of the terms that we hear now throughout the Jewish world, mindfulness, meditation, uh, and, and rediscovering the Jewish roots, and that's certainly Ravari Kaplan uh, deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, but also Rabbi Lu and uh, Zuketsu Norman Fisher as well deserve a lot of credit for that. Um, he unfortunately uh, passed away rather young, and he wrote this book. This is the paperback edition, and um, it's a discussion of everything that we feel this year. He maps out the whole, the, what we do for the next you know, month or so, uh, more than a month, for the next you know, 40 days or so. He maps it out as a journey of spiritual progression. And it's, the writing is rich and, and layered. And, and uh, you know, on one page, all of a sudden you're reading a Gemara, and then you're reading about uh, Dakodin. And, uh, and then the next page you're reading about Alfred Noble, and then he turns to the Rambam. And it's just very beautiful. I'm uh, totally taken by it. Uh, I, I highly recommend it. It's really, it's, it's a mood. Uh, so he writes the following on our topic here, and I think he encapsulates a lot of what I was trying to say. And uh, we'll conclude, uh, if, if you'll... In- We'll conclude, if people want to hear, I have another really uh, almost cheeky story to say afterwards. He writes like this. Rambam, the great medieval philosopher and synthesizer of Jewish law, said that tshuva, this kind of moral and spiritual turning, is only complete when we find ourselves in exactly the same position we were in when we went wrong, when the state of estrangement and alienation began, and we choose to behave differently to act in a way that is conducive to atonement and reconciliation. But this objection was raised. What happens if the circumstances in question don't repeat themselves? How do we make tshuva, complete tshuva then? And don't worry, the Rambam replied, and they always do. The unresolved elements of our lives, the unconscious patterns, the conflicts and problems that seem to arise no matter where we go or with whom we find ourselves continue to pull us in the same moral and spiritual circumstances over and over again until we figure out how to resolve them. They continue to carry us into harm's way until we become aware of them, conscious of them, begin to change them. And we all have recurring motifs in the dark, unresolved corners of our lives. In the domestic happiness we replicate from one marriage to another, 
and the problems that seem to follow us from one job to the next, and all the mistakes that turn out to be the same mistake, which we make over and over again. In a sense, it might be possible, after all, that tshuva gemura can be achieved, even in old age, even when one is at their final moments, even when one never has the opportunity to find that exact same circumstance or that exact same place, because truthfully, is that ever possible? I don't think so. But what is true is that the underlying attitudes that we talked about in the beginning, not the individual sin that we're atoning for, but the things that underlie, that caused us, that brought us there, it's our very selves. And accepting responsibility for that is what helps us say, even if you say, I'm going to sin and I'm going to repent, recognizing that that's part of what brought you to sin in the first place. And doing tshuva for that as well means that perhaps we can retrieve tshuva gemura after all, no matter what the circumstances are. So that would be the nice end of this year. It is nine o'clock. Um, I have a real gem that I wanted to, to share with her. That's, that's the formal end. I, I, I just thank you all. For, I, I forgot to start off with this. Um, uh, thanks to, to my colleague, to Sarah Robinson, uh, for bringing me in. Uh, thanks to the committee uh, for, uh, for, for, for also bringing me in. And thanks to you guys for learning uh, with me. I really appreciated our time. Um, do you guys, everybody's still sitting here. You guys want to hear the next part? Okay. So as I was researching this year, so I, know, I noticed, uh, I came across a story, a Hasidic story. I didn't really check. It's always good to find out what and who you're reading. And the story was like, I was like reading it. I'm like, I can, I can countenance a certain degree of, you know, antinomianism that might appear in the most extreme of Hasidic or, 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 or Machshava writings. And then the story started getting really weird. And I'm like, there's no way. And here's the story. Let's see if you have the same. I'm just going to read. It's part of a longer story. The name of the story is called Echtev Ashuf, which is our topic. And this is underneath the picture of Alan Lu. So the story goes like this. This is the end of the story, the coda. At that very moment, Yashav HaTzadik, and he quotes a particular tzadik. I took his name out because I, could, I looked in the sparm of the tzadik. I couldn't find anything like it. It seems to me that this is a fabricated story. But the idea is still very powerful and I think still important for what we're talking about. Yashav HaTzadik, V'hiktires Viktartoi, lit up his pipe, V'helemitoch pivigulim igulim shalashem v'amar Torah. And he emitted circles of smoke and began to say Torah. One who says that I'm going to sin and repent, Mishnah Yoma, Arambam, one who says I'm going to sin and repent, we don't give that person the opportunity to do tshuva. Is it possible that we should understand this simply as it's written? really takes away from people the reward their opportunities that's not God's way what about the pain of that individual they've, they've sinned they've messed up but they can't do tshuva he says even that individual from their sin itself they weren't able to enjoy properly why? And they have such tremendous regret after they've sinned. They feel so terrible about it. And we tell that person they're not going to do tshuva. How do you understand everything here? The one who says, I'm going to sin and I'll repent. There's no doubt that this person would do complete tshuva. And their tshuva will be accepted. Even at the time of the sin itself, they didn't forget their creator. Meaning the following. The joke is, or the joke, or maybe it's the most serious thing of all. When I sin, and I'm already thinking about the tshuva for the sin, it means that my sin is incomplete. I can't enjoy the sin properly. Because I'm already thinking about tshuva at the moment of my sin. The wanton, brazen enjoyment that I'm supposed to derive from whatever this sin is, I'm already regretting it at the time that I do it. I'm saying, I'm putting tshuva into my sin. I'm ruining my sin. I'm fashtering the Avera. That person, for sure, is able to go ahead and to do tshuva. 
So he turns the entire concept on, so he puts in the word of this tzaddik. I couldn't find it anywhere in the writings. It's too radical an idea. But they didn't even enjoy their sin properly because they were already thinking of tshuva. For sure that person could do tshuva gemura. So he could take ending A, he could take ending B. The author of this particular story, is, uh, his name is Yehuda Steinberg. He died in 1908. And he wrote a book called Sipurim Chasidim. They're very much like this. Uh, he's most well known for children's books. He wrote in Yiddish. He was a member of the uh, white Russian literary circles, the Yiddishists and Hebraists. He was a close friend of Bialik, who paid for his funeral expenses. Uh, very fascinating story. All these figures are just unbelievable. Mikhail Berdichevsky, and, 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 uh, and you, you look at the early writings of Jabotinsky, all the, everything that surrounded itself in Odessa is just unbelievable. Uh, and, um, and, and, you know, a hotbed of Zionism, all these new ideas, people that were deeply steeped, the first generation of Maskilim and people that had tried out new things, of, of the Hebraists and the Yiddishists, the first generation, these people were deeply, deeply, deeply steeped in Jewish life in the most authentic and essential forms in Jewish learning as well. And therefore their writings, which are unbridled and become more uh, open and, uh, and unbounded, uh, come with such erudition and come with such knowledge that it actually makes them that much more delicious and that much more incredible. This story is so... It was good enough that I could think, I'm like, I've never seen this Torah before. Where, I'll say, where does Rabbi Yisrael of Rajin say such a thing? Where does the Aptarav, the other rabbi in the story, say such a thing? But it could trick you. It's so good that it could trick you. So he unfortunately was penniless. Uh, throughout his life. He functioned as Malami. He found success in the last years of his life. He grew up in a Hasidic family, had an arranged marriage at 17, ran away. Um, very, very difficult life. But uh, he leaves us with these beautiful writings. If anybody has a copy of uh, Sipurim Hasidim, I'll pay good money for it because I can't find it anywhere. I'll end over here. I thank everybody so much for learning together. May we all be zochah do tshuva gemura. May all be zochah to repair the relationships with the people around us, with the world, with Hashem. And hopefully, maybe this will be the last time we all have to do tshuva. Who knows? Who knows? All right. Thank you so much. Okay.